Hi, I am Patricia Schaefer, President of the Compassionate Friends Queensland. True Grief is a podcast of honest conversations about our experience with grief through the loss of a child. We hope this podcast creates opportunities for our listeners to have their own conversations and helps you to feel less isolated in your journey. This podcast is for entertainment purposes as we are not qualified counselling professionals. We are a peer support group. If you feel the need to speak to someone after listening to our conversations, please contact our national helpline on 1300 064 068 or ring Lifeline on 131114. Hi, this is uh, David Murray with the True Grief Podcast number two. I'll say hello to Trish. Hello, Trish. G'day. How is everyone? Good, good, thank you. Uh, Tina, how are you? Good morning. I'm very well, thank you. All right, so we're, we're recording this now. Um, and we're gonna, we, we had a list of questions that we wanted to, talk, to, to discuss with, uh, between a parent and a sibling. And um, we're just going to work our way through them. That'll make a series of podcasts. We're also planning on getting a few experts in the field, particularly of grief, uh, and maybe some of the parents, some of their experiences of, of what happened after they lost a the child. Anyway, we'll continue. So, Trish, you have more questions for Tina. Yes, I do. I suppose, um, picking up from where we left off last time... And it still exists for me now when I, I speak to my children. It's a matter of, I want to know why you don't come to us with questions, fears and general life needs after we lose a child. Like I'm, I'm raring as a parent to be a mum because everything in me is just dying, I suppose, in one capacity and making me very vibrant to be a parent even more so because I feel like I've got to show them I'm here but I also feel like I've got to prove to myself I can be a mum still and yet it's taken many years for the kids just to come with basic stuff to me Um, and even now I feel like they don't fully come to me which is what I really want so I'm just curious as to why that happens well I think, um, again, I won't speak for everybody because I can only speak for my experience um, and what I've kind of been witness to. I think there's very different, very different parents out there. Not everyone reacts and responds like that. Um, and more often than not it's like uh, one child dies but the mother dies too with that child and there's a very long process of healing Um, like for instance we couldn't celebrate Mother's Day 
for a really long time. Um, even though I was a mother myself, I couldn't celebrate Mother's Day because it was just too painful for mum to to do Mother's Day without one of her children. So I think it's um, certainly now, 15 years later, mum's in a much better place. Um, and now we're, you know, relearning to kind of lean on each other. Um, we used to say that we were a really good tag team, um, especially when we were because my sister was missing for a while before they um, found her and um, we had to deal with the police and media and, um, you know, funeral homes and the DPP and, like, there's so many different and custody for my niece, like, just so many different people and things that we had to do and, you know, we would kind of tag team, as she would say, like, she'd be really strong... Um, and you know I'd have my moments and then I'd be really strong while she had her moments but um, it was really bad if we both had our moments at the same time and there wasn't that one there Um, but generally and I I probably still do it now it's like it's almost like I feel she's had so much to deal with in her life I can't take my crap to her too like I just need to suck it up and deal with it um not because I don't think that she would be there just because I don't think it's fair to put more stress on her um because you know some days it's all she can do to get out of bed so but she has said to me the same thing that you do, like, you know, I need to be needed. I still need to be your mum. But, um, yeah. Wow. Because that, that, that sort of worries me a bit because I'm going to say to you, we are and we always will hurt. And I suppose... It's a bit different for you than us. And again, anything I say here is more from my perspective than anything else, yeah. right? Well, it is nothing but my perspective. Let's yeah. get that clear. Um, but as a parent, I look at if Eric had never died or Marie had never died, we would still be um, there regardless. So just I want... I suppose my children to know that even though I am going through troubled times and I am still learning to cope with that, it hasn't stopped my love for them as individuals and recognising that they're in their different paths and on their different journeys um, and that I'm happy to shoulder some of that. Um, Personally, I know that both my children have gone through some pretty traumatic stuff away from just losing their siblings. Um, some of it I, will, I want to be able to assist in. Some of it I know I'm too close to the situation to assist them. But it would be nice to know that 
for those moments I'm too close to the situation that they can at least say to me, it's all cool, mum, I've got, I found somewhere safe that I can discuss that. I don't, that's, I think is more what I'm looking for than hit me with it all the time, so to speak, because it's just, I know I can't help in that. I'm too close to it. My opinions are not going to help them. (laughs) As any parent, whether I lost a child or not, would be having that issue. Um, In saying that, it's things like, um, it's it's like their fears or life questions. It's like, I think sometimes they don't come to me with it because, like you say, either burdening me or, I don't know, I think is it because I'm too old and they think I don't get it? (laughs) Um, is it that they're worried I'm going to compare to somebody who's no longer here? Um, that kind of thing. Does it worry you in the sense that that comparison comes up when your sibling's brought up in talking um, about uh, life things, like just general life stuff? I, I just want to interject is... It's interesting, isn't it? Do, he's still a parent, so all the things that happen with a parent are going to happen. So your kids grow up, your kids will leave home, end up with someone else. You know, all the difficulties that end up with a new partner. You know, that could be that could be turbulent. It could be wonderful. Yep. It's probably going to be somewhere in between for most people, yep. and it's going to be at various times. And all constantly, I, I've I've felt. Am I just bothered because any other parent would be bothered and my child's reaction is a reaction to that, which is inverted commas. We'll use that. I mean, I'm just doing inverted commas in the area. Um, is normal. But then the other part is there's always this weight of grief, I suppose, for want of a better phrase, and this the, 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 the turmoil that it causes... I, I find sometimes my wife and I can spin out of control. We really have to pull our heads in, you know, just let let me get on with it. We really start spinning out of control. And, you know, if if we're both spinning spinning at the same time, we can wind each other up. So one of us has to sort of interject and say, hey, this, it's fine, she's got this. Or, you know, the other person will say, you know, you, you, you're going overboard here now, mate, you're losing the plot. So... It's 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 very hard. I, I think it makes life is hard in general, and we're we're all any family people are going to suffer. There's going to be trials and tribula- tri- uh, tribulations, but I think it just makes it that bit harder because you're struggling with your own sort of internal pain as a, as as the sibling and as the parent, and you're always trying to calculate this calculus that you have to do. Am I add, adding more to my parents' burden? I'm adding more to my daughter's burden, I'm adding to my wife's burden, my husband's burden, whatever the situation is. And probably you've probably just functioning like you always have done, probably dealing with things, mo- your personality is not going to change radically. It, 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 aspects of your psychology will change, how you view the world, your paradigm you view the world, but I don't think how you deal with things changes differently. I don't know. Talk to that. I will talk to that for my own thing, perspective. I think that 
it amplifies potentially doesn't change who you are but it certainly amplifies certain um traits sometimes good sometimes not so good um i think i often uh say that i now look at the world through a very different filter than Mm. how i used to view the world um I call it my trauma lens, basically. You know, everyone walks around with rose-coloured glasses when they're in love. Well, mine are grey. Like, they're just... Everything looks different. My perception's different. My reactions are different. Um, Sometimes that's a good thing because I have, you know, a resilience and a strength and a courage that, um, you know, I probably had before. But as I said, it's, you know, those things have been amplified my ability to tolerate crap is very much less than it used to be. Um, But at the same time, like I kind of look at most of life and just go, I have seen the worst. Like I've already lived through the worst thing that could possibly ever happen, so bring it. Like seriously, how bad can this be? Do you know what I mean? Like I just... okay. That, to me, answers some stuff, I suppose, because it, you've, you've hit the nail on the head for some things for me as a parent because you sit here and you go, am I not doing enough, am I not? But you've just really opened a, a, another picture of, or layer, I should say, of what I was missing for my answer, which is they've gone through massive trauma. You've gone through massive trauma. Of course you're going to be able to deal with things a lot more differently and probably a lot more better than the average mm. and I'm not trying to say that people in general have to go through a trauma to get to that point but um, it just made me realise that hold on they've had to go through all these steps with us um, so realistically they've probably got something that I would go pre the death of a kid or a child sorry um, I'd look at them and go, oh, yeah, that's going to be a bit hard. But post-death of a child, I've got to stop and go, well, hold on, they've gone through a death of a sibling. That They've got that. They've gone through this, so they've got that. So they probably won't necessarily... The light bulb just went off while you were talking. I'm like, okay, I never thought about it like that. So that's what I love about this, <laughs> the light bulb moments. But I'm with you. I don't, I don't see things... Um, I don't tolerate the bull in life I don't have time to sugarcoat I'm straightforward a lot of people don't know how to deal with me that's the beauty I do see my kids they've learned very quickly how to shut something down if they don't like it um, while being empathetic and that I do like out of the growth of what they've gone through I, I say this to my daughter all the time she's probably in a lot of ways because no one's perfect um, except my wife um, oh, yeah, <laughs> I'm just saying that because you might be listening to this. Uh, <laughs> all, I was covering, covering my back. Um, is she's probably one of the most well put together twenty somethings I know mm. because of what she's been through. Mm. Like, and I look back when I think of when I was her age, sort of twenty one, twenty two. I often think to myself, you know, what was I like? What was I doing? Mm. You know, I was just running around like a big kid, mm. you know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Big twit, big, yeah. 
You, did you say twat then? Yeah. yeah. I'd say twat. <laughs> twat. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Might yeah. Have the wrong English. Like, yeah, yeah. Twat. It's it, it, it's both sorry. both both very derogative words in the English language. Oh, but uh, my apologies. No, alright. <laughs> He swore at me, but he got the wrong swear word. But um, um, no, I, I, I it's, too. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, no. It's interesting. It's interesting, and I think how oh, well put together she is. But then a little part of it makes you sad because you wish they didn't have to exactly. be that wise to the world. You know, I mean, it's something to be said for innocence. I think it's different between innocence and, uh, and a certain level of naivety. I don't mean w- walking through this world completely blind to all the horrors in it. I don't mean like that. But there's something to be said for you personally not to have um, to get through life with a limited amount of unnecessary suffering. You know, mm-hmm. you do need suffering, to, to, obviously, because it, it's just going to happen. You know, and you need to how you respond to it, it's going to. But you know, some 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 suffering's taking the piss. You know, yeah. and uh, that's how you feel like when you lose a kid. It's just taking the fucking piss, and that's 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 what you feel like the universe has done with you. But um, high five to that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there's nothing you can do. So no, there you go. You can do. But um, you know, one has to get on with it. Um, for the sake of your child, for the sake of your partner, your wife, for the sake, just for the sake, you know, I, the sake of my mother. You know, it's it, it, you have to get on with it. Yeah. Anyway. So, I suppose, what I want to know, what scared you the most through the death of your sibling? Like, what what are the fears of our children? And I know that you can't answer for all of us, right? But it's nice, and, and I'm just clarifying this. I need people to understand. I ask it like this because I'm not expecting you to speak on behalf of my children, and and I'm not speaking on behalf of every parent, nor is Dave. But we're just this is to have that conversation because it's hard to sit down with your actual children to have the conversation. And I would think it's similar for siblings to actually sit down and have this conversation with their parent. Mm. So I suppose. I'm trying to grasp what would be the big... Is it like your parents separating? If your parents are still together, are you worried that you're going to die? Is it like... I hear so many different things and I don't discount them all, but I'm thinking there's probably got to be some sort of commonality of something there. So I was just wondering if you have any ideas or what was yours. (coughs) Well, uh, there's two parts to that answer. I'm going to answer really specifically first for Mm -hmm. my exact situation and then I'll answer a little bit broader Um, because of the way that my sister died um, and because um, because uh, just to just to remind people my sister was uh, murdered in a domestic homicide and he he lied about it he tried to cover it up and and um you know it took two months for him to actually be arrested my sister's body wasn't found for seven days um and so for seven days of absolute sheer terror we were under the impression well he he liked to think that he got us under the impression but the psyche took it on no matter you know whether we knew it to be real or not that she had been kidnapped from somewhere and, you know, where was she, what was happening to her, 
um, like <laughs> you, your brain, if it, if it's not given a story, oh my God, like your brain can just make up the most horrendous stories to fill the blanks. Oh, yeah. And so that's the space that we lived in for seven days because we didn't have a story. But the story that we were living in was that she had been abducted and taken somewhere and, you know, whatever was happening to her. So what were you most scared of immediately after your sister's death was that my children were going to be abducted and... um, taken somewhere and not found you know like I just became even after you know they found my sister and you know he was arrested and we knew what had happened and you know we knew that it wasn't some random you know person that had abducted her and you know whatever I could not I could not get past that for like a good probably 12 months to two years um I then became like a hypervigilant parent. Um, you know, I was a single mum, so my son <laughs> couldn't even go to the men's bathroom. Like we had to go into the parents' room at, after that point and, you know, all three of us because I had my niece then. I couldn't, I could not let them out of my sight mm. um, f- for fear, like just absolute terror that mm. someone, you know, they did that to my mum's child, you know, my sister, so... They could do it to mine, even though consciously I knew that that was not actually what happened because I lived in that that fear and that terror for seven days. I couldn't release it. I couldn't, uh, I couldn't kind of come out the other side. It took a really, really long time. Um, so very specifically, that that is what I would answer, but... A little bit more broadly, um, was that I he he had already taken so much from us, yeah. and I was scared that I would lose the rest of my family because of him. Yeah, because of the the trauma associated with losing her and. You know, there were times in the early days where, it, like, it wasn't pretty. You know, the family was falling apart. We were kind of turning on each other, and um, and I, you know, and I had my niece who was so traumatized at three. Like, yeah, just I felt like, am I going to lose my mum? Am I going to lose my sanity? Am I going to lose, you know, my niece? Uh, you know, like, how much more is this person going to take from from us? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. That would be very overwhelming. I'm similar. For me, both our children died at 18 mm. and both have, in some capacity, was involved with a motor vehicle. Um, so I had a son coming up to 18 at some point. So the number 18 any child coming to 18 and I had my stepdaughter as well um, because they're both born in the same year Mm. and they're only a month apart in 
in the same year. So it was like a double whammy for me. I knew both were coming up to 18. Oh, my God, 18 is the worst number. What if things go to pie? This is terrible. Worst thing that ever happened was we were at Marie's funeral in New Zealand and we got a phone call to say Michael got hit by a car <gasps> on the way to school. So And we were waiting to get on the plane to come back. We just finished the funeral. So that was hell on earth for me and then recently my daughter was in a car accident while pregnant um and she's rang me and i've got to say you know 12 years for one seven for the other it just was the most horrendous moment it's like time stood still for me i actually ran out of the house and left my two grandchildren behind it's okay my neighbors were aware something was wrong and got them (laughs) just making sure everyone understands that i just got in a car and drove she was in, she, she was seven months pregnant and in shock. And I recognised as a nurse that this is not a good place for her to be either. So the meltdown started, like there was no nurse. <laughs> it was mother, oh my God, don't make me lose another child. I flipped out on emergency services and that. Cause, and, and I've got to say this right now, they do a wonderful job. But they need to start being aware that sometimes the trauma is way before the actual trauma that they're coming to there's history there sometimes and we're not going to come out and just say you know oh by the way we've lost a couple of kids or whatever and I'm not the only one who's probably gone through this so I hope that that somehow when they're seeing a parent losing it a little bit um, they understand that there's something there it's not just a parent trying to be a control freak or losing it because that was really hard for me it wasn't until I actually lost my lolly that everyone sort of went oh my god radio this is a this is a traumatic effect for the family full stop so the other thing was for me i feared losing the value of family because mm. remember in the last podcast you talked about that ticket that you were hoping to cash in where they'd help but you know the expectation drove quite deeply off the Richter scale as in no help at all compared to what you had imagined in your head during that trauma moment I thought oh does this now make it and because of those fears that we were just talking about does this now break us because we're a close unit and we always had been we fight like cats and dogs we're that close we're so similar we fight like cats and dogs people sort of go oh you're a dysfunctional family we're a healthy dysfunctional family I have you know Uh, but Especially after Eric died, um, it, it got ugly, like you said. Like, I hate to say there was fisticuffs. There was words said that should never have been said by all parties. There was long absences at one stage because I felt my children felt the only way to push back was to remove me from their life because I was too overwhelmed with, oh, my God, don't drive that car, you can't do that, you can't be this, don't do that, you know, I don't want you to die sort of thing was constantly on the end of it. And they're like, we're not going to die. And I'm like, but how can you know that? And blah, blah, blah. So it, I remember just sitting down one day and thinking, oh, my family's gone. Everything that I've, I've wanted and needed has fallen apart. And I think it was in that moment that I just gave into the fact that this is probably how it's going to be, that things actually turned a bit. I stopped phoning the kids. I stopped trying to control them 
because the control wasn't so much I needed to be um, the head honcho. It was more, oh, my God, you're going to die, especially with the two coming up to 18. I don't want you to die, <laughs> you know. Um, that it gave them breathing space. It gave me breathing space to really focus on the fact that I'm having such high anxiety. I never considered myself being an anxious person, if that's the way to put it. And so, yeah, um, things did improve. And we things go down. By the time Marie lost her life, we came like soldiers together, bang, you know. We, and, and that was beautiful to watch because I didn't think we'd get to that. By the time my dad died, bang, we were stronger, harder, faster. Um, we moved fluently, if that's the way to put it. We understood this journey so well that we handled it so much better than a lot of people perceived we would. Um, you have a shorthand, don't you? Yeah. You end yeah. up having a shorthand. That's, that's what I think now, um, after, I don't go into too much details, a, a, a close friend, a lost close friend. And, um, yeah, I've, I've been surprised by my reaction to it. It seems to be, like, I'm very sad... Yeah, it's not a member of my family, but I don't mean it that way. It, it's, it's. I understand there's some more distance there. We'll put it that way, emotional yeah. distance there, and I feel very sorry for this fam, for this person's family. But I'm, I've just been surprised. I've just been surprised by my reaction. You know, like I, 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 I said, it was more stoic, and I don't mean stoic in the suppress your feelings, keep it all trapped in sort of way. I mean stoic is in, in as in okay, this has happened, what can I do to help the people that are involved? Mm -hmm. Does that make any sense? Yes. Because they, we know what's gonna, what they're going to be going through. We know it's going to be terrible. What can I do, me personally, because you know? Like in, 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 in essence... It's like a arms, so yeah, 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 it's almost yeah. like, yeah, it's, it's interesting because the onus is more on you. I'm not saying this, again, people listening to this, this is just my perspective. And I don't want anyone to think, oh, this is what you need to do. Again, this, this conversation is just between us three about our experiences and it's for you to listen to. And you might think, oh, that's okay. You might think that's a load of old rubbish. You think, I wish this dickhead had shut up. I don't really honestly care. <laughs> Can I say after this, I'm not going to re keep repeating. This is just our perspective. Yeah. I, yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's, it's, it's important because what I'm going to say next is, I. this, this is why I'm, I'm putting this on the front of it, this caveat on the front of it is, I think now it's the onus is on me. I know what it's like. Mm -hmm. Now, for me to turn around and walk away from someone who's suffering the loss of a family member or a child, for me just to ignore it, it's, it in, a, in a way it's worse than mm. someone who hasn't. Mm. I, I don't, what I don't mean diving in and trying to fix everything. What I mean is for me to ignore, ignore in, the, in the true sense of the word, ignore it. So not recognise what they're going through that's all I'm trying to say I don't mean jump in start running the show for them I don't mean like you know get, getting over involved in things what I mean is just to ignore it and not recognise the depth of pain that these people are, are going through mm. you know I think the onus is more is more on 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 us yeah but I anyway agree. yeah like yeah I, I've got a few friends who've lost children um, I just say to them look when you're ready for a cup of tea, I don't care if it's a year later. You tell me when you're ready. 
and I'm happy to listen, you know? Like, it, it's, yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's been interesting. So I suppose, what I want to ask now, well, I'm going to give you my perception of it and then I want, hopefully, your perception of it. <laughs> I do a reflective thing and I'm sort of like, what is the hardest thing in the initial stages of death like the year after the death and then your three years and then your now sort of thing, right? Because I hate to say people have this wild idea that, you know, these people are trying to bloody open a bottle of water, just crack it. (laughs) Just crack it. I am trying to open it so it doesn't go in the mic. There we go. We got it. So (laughs) I'm watching you like. Do it slow. Take ourselves out of the page. Add to the entertainment value of the general listening public. public. All we need now is the slurp of the food. (laughs) Or the after refreshing drink. There it is. Or get advertisements from Coca-Cola. No, we don't drink that around here. Thanks, it's water. (laughs) Anyway, so... They get this idea that we've got to, I need to make it really clear, I still cry at least four times of the year on very significant moments, such as birthdays of the two kids, Christmas tends to be another time, and death days, right? But when I look back and reflect on this, I sort of understand where people get this time frame from. And so... I just wanted to see what the differences were between a parent and a child when it came to these different types of time frames. So for me, initial stages of death, I remember when Eric died, I went back to a property we owned and I was in the driveway and I get this phone call and it was to tell me that it's the coroner's office and blah, 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 and they were standing there and they were telling me that 99% of uh, marriages don't survive the death of a child, especially from suicide. And I remember sitting in the driveway because that took the wind out of me and I went, oh, my God, I'm about to lose my family. I'm about to lose my home. I'm about to lose... So that very first moment um, was nothing but pure adrenaline and fear and confusion. Like, I just didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to function as a person. I didn't know how to function... Full stop, if I'm going to be honest. And then all that overrode me was two things. Fear of losing everything, because I'd just been told that percentage was high that I was going to lose everything. And where's my kid? Like, all I could think of, because he was in another part of the state when he died from me. So that was very hard. Um, With Marie, because we hadn't seen her for a while, I kept thinking, oh, they got it wrong. You know, got on the plane, got over there. It wasn't until we arrived at an airport and actually saw her on the newspaper and on the TV sort of thing, I went, oh, my God, this is not a lie. This is real. And opportunities. And it hit me then, all these opportunities that I'm going to miss. For a year after, with Eric, i got to say... It was the fear of the kids dying. Everything was, oh, my God, someone's going to die. This is going to happen. And then, and that still fear of the family falling apart because the more you drive your fear, the more it actually happens, as they say. And it was happening big time. Marie, it was the fear of 
out of the two girls, Marie was the quieter one. Um, don't get me wrong, she had a voice and she used it, but she was the one who didn't have as much confidence as her sister, right? Um, so I felt like we'd lost that special part of balance in the in the dynamics, and that that made me feel like we were becoming an unbalanced family in so many ways. So I went into overcorrecting and trying to keep that balance and trying to, and again, that sort of drove things off the bleaten track. Um, three years, because we're so interlocked. So three years after Eric, I'm sort of like, okay, this is life. It took about three years for me to really realise this is, this has happened. And it's, and, it, and it's staying this way. There's no, he's not going to crop up somewhere in the distance. I think for about three to four years I had this mentality, if I do the right thing and do all the good stuff I had to do and be a nice person and, and, and I'm a very spiritual person, so, you know, I really put that spirit forward and, and do all this. I think somewhere in the back of my head I thought he would come home. Like, I, I knew that he was buried, he was dead. I bathed him for the love of goodness. Um, but somewhere in there, that hope, I think, of that return in that time frame tends to become very significant that it's not going to happen. And it was hell on earth because everything I had been moving forward with, I realised was with a subconscious outline of if I do this he'll come home and so that just blew me out of the water and as I was coming out of that that's when we learnt that Marie had died for Marie it was more along the lines of my marriage at this stage our marriage was in big trouble we we were taking the brunt of two hits. It's the politest way I can put it. And we were on our knees and we didn't know people who'd gone through this twice, let alone once. I mean, I knew a few people who'd lost children, but not, not two. And we were both tired of let's make this happen because we were both just tired. I think we don't give ourselves or the children that time to identify you're emotionally, mentally and physically exhausted. You're so busy having to keep up with a house payment or paying the electricity bill or, you know, letting the other person have their space that at some point it comes to a head. And it, it's, it's in those moments. So for me, it was a seven-year run of hell and I didn't think there was any way out to be honest I really didn't mm. I'm really sorry that you had to go through that I know that's not why we're here but I just really I really feel I really felt that and um yeah thanks it's um <clears throat> I, I, I think there's a common thread would be this fear of extreme events 
is now a reality in, mm -hmm. in people's lives. So, for example, both of you to talk, I'm reflecting two things of what you said then, two things just come to my mind. One was you were talking about initially um, in the advent of your sister's murder and worrying about you, you know, the same happened to your own kids, etc., mm. etc. Et you know, I don't mean et cetera, et cetera, in a glib way. Um, you're talking about 18. It's interesting, these symbolic th things and numbers. Mm. Why 18? Yeah, and I'm not saying I'm not asking you to answer that question. Mm -hmm. but the symbolism. I'm having real trouble in work over birth dates on spreadsheets of children who were very close to my sons. I was almost petrified of seeing a kid's birthday or my son's birthday. It was almost like if I see this, I am gonna. I don't know what I'm gonna do. You know, yes. this is this is gonna be a complete. You know. It's not going to be. It's going to be very, very ugly. And it's just, it's a day. It's four numbers. Six numbers. Sorry, six numbers. Come on. <laughs> depend, depend on what format you use. Yeah, yeah. Depend on what format you use. It's 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 a bunch of characters. But so, you know, we're, as, as our minds work on symbols, it's very, 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 very hard to get past these symbols. And that, so I think it's just the constant fear and anxiety. So I can't say that well, my son died of an extremely rare autoimmune condition. So with obviously COVID's occurring at the moment, in case anyone who's listening to this years from now, it, it, it was a big epidemic in <laughs> pandemic in 2020 <laughs> uh, called COVID. Apparently it was a surprise, but if you'd read any literature before, you'd be with that about three in the past 10 years beforehand. Anyway... Now, with COVID, there's lots of related conditions, autoimmune conditions, because so many people are going to get it. We're going to have more, probably more people die of similar conditions what my son died of. And it's so now, obviously, I'm worried about people close to me, aren't I? I mean, you know, I mean, I can't play the odds. I played the odds and I lost. And it's, I think they call it in the statistics is a fat tail to this, you know, like the 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 average is a thin tail, so the list of probabilities of an event occurring are very very high. But it's happened to you once already. We sure as shit is going to fucking happen again, and you're living testament to that, Trish. You know, you think you probably thought, oh fuck, right, I've lost one child. Uh, you know, there won't be no more children being lost in the family. That's it. We've done our we've done our bit for the universe. I paid for yeah, my pay, sins. Pay my dues. That's what I really yeah, felt. Like yeah. I had paid for my past yeah. sins. And then it happens again. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't want to put yeah, <clears throat> ideas in your head or put words in your mouth. Here is, you know, it, that 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 is interesting. You talk about that seven day period. We had a period when my child was in hospital, where it's it. You, you thought you were scared. You thought you'd been scared in life before. Mm. You thought it was just... You, the best way I can describe it, and it's, it, it, it doesn't do it any justice, you've been on a, on, a, on a roller coaster ride, you've been the highest roller coaster ride in, in the world, and you've gone down, and that fear feeling oh, you got, okay. well, this roller coaster ride seems to go, it's the highest one in the world with the biggest drop in and you just up and down up, we were up and down up and down up and down and then it started to just get more and more down more and more down because we knew the trajectory where it was going it's incredibly painful um, fearful and I think that fear hypervigilance we, 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 give, we give these these terminology to these things but really what it is they call it hypervigilance but it, it's it's what one one is left with almost a real 
perspective of the world and a real fear for life because it's very tenuous life and it's now entered into your psyche it's never going to leave um you might be able to you you learn to live with it i think but but every death is different Mm, like every life is different but i think there's some commonalities which i think you were going back to originally the commonalities are this maybe this this fear well if it can happen why can't it happen to my husband why can't it happen to me other children why can't it happen to my grandchild why can't it happen to this you know what I mean all these sort of things will start compounding you know and um and and it, it's it's just and they drive you yeah in the most stupid way like the house I don't want to lose the house because we've all been in this house yeah yet inside that house was all the furniture and every time someone dies I actually let go of the piece of furniture that everyone sat on yeah and I went why am I so worried about losing a house but I'm giving away the furniture like it was crazy yeah my next door neighbour said to me I did. I'll let you answer this question in a second. Am I supposed to be talking? You're doing such an amazing. Yeah, I know. My next door neighbour said to me, "The Vietnamese." I'm invited this around of a second Christmas. They're very nice, very nice people. And sometimes when people speak English, but they spoke in another language, they can sometimes say things to you in a much clearer way than you can in English. And I know that sounds uh, counterintuitive. And I've got a friend who's, uh, who's, who's uh, of Croatian descent, and he said things to me. I'm like, oh, God, that sounds just right. And she said to me about the house, do you want to leave? And we said, oh, I don't feel uncomfortable. You know, she goes, are you worried that his spirit will be around? He needs a place to come back to. And I went, and I, I don't necessarily believe in this type of things but she just what she said is i think she used the word ghost i think but not in a i think that it's it we literally translate it doesn't mean as we say like a scary yeah. ghost stuff like that and i went yeah yeah she probably hit the nail on the head it was probably you know so you you said something before about being uh spiritual i think we're all superstitious and spiritual and whatever it's just part of our psyche and, and i think um, when it gets ripped open by this, these terrible events that occur, you you know you are exposed more um, to the world, and you will fall back on things. One last thing: what really fucked me off after my son died, and I'm just going to say this now is I had Christians, because I've, I've brought up a, I'm a Christian, devout Christians. I respect them; they can have the faith, love it, great. You get on with it, mate. That's fine. They could not help but tell me what human was in a better place. Mm-hmm. Thanks for that. Uh, and I just say to one person, well, why don't you I'll swap it for your kid and mine? And she, is, is that okay? Um, and there was another one. Was, was, um, that went down like a I don't know, it went down. They probably feel that the Christian, they forgive me. Um, um, I do not advocate against or for any particular. No, I, I don't because I'm going to give, the, give it to the atheist now. That's the last thing I was going to say. <laughs> And an atheist. Oh, we're just gonna like scattergun. Yes, I'm scattergun. An atheist telling me exactly what was going on after son after dad. I was sitting there thinking, "Fuck me, you you groups of people seem to know exactly what you seem to have got the whole universe worked out." Uh. Oh, thanks, thanks, because I don't know really why they felt the need to volunteer the the belief system on me at that most vulnerable point in my life, and you know, I, I I'm like I say, I'm I'm I'm, I'm I can come back. I can be. I can be. I can look after myself that way verbally, but other people can't. No, uh, and, 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 and that's that. And that's that's where I sometimes think with the compassionate friends, Queensland, 
I think that's one of the, the things we can help people is with uh, is that we can actually maybe we take a bit. Of, take go on sorry so you know i'll just say we can take a bit of cover fire for them you know we can you know maybe yeah. speak in their behalf or or or, or even if within groups you can feel safe you know it's just sometimes you you can't we don't delve into that technically yeah. we don't delve into that yeah. what we do at the compassionate friends is what i love and as the president i want to point this out yeah you do that that it's it's about getting to know your child and this conversation we're having is again about us showing that whatever you believe in is okay. Whatever you need to get yourself through that turbulence of hell is okay. And we're here to listen, not so much about how it happened, but who it is that you've lost. You know, it's about those those people that had a moment on this per earth and the impact that they had and the and for that, it's the horrific journey we're left with. The beauty of them still exists and it's important. And that's an important part that we offer there. It doesn't matter how you find that beauty um, in the most horrible part of it all. It's, and we want to he- hear it. We want to know that you're okay, you're not okay. You know, we might, as three people out of 600 of us and rising, um, connect in, in a very horrible way. But I think we also grow in a very beautiful way through that connection. Well, there's, there's a commonality there, isn't there, yeah. of the experience, which, which I hasten to add, that's what I've said all along now, is I probably have softened my stance on what people believe that gets them through life, you know? Yeah. I'm probably less dogmatic in myself. That's mm-hmm. one of the things after because you know if it gets i mean any it's you have to lose a child or or a lot of a grief or loss or anything like that it's, it's just what gets you through life but i'm going to say yeah. as parents we need to shut up yeah. bring it down with sibling. <laughs> what was that first question you asked me why don't we come to you <laughs> do we get a word in and <laughs> Uh, feel this tea and you'll feel like this and you'll bloody well like it as well yeah. Yeah. do as you're told yeah. no. um, I was drinking by the way I know, sorry um, I wasn't no. <laughs> that's the problem is it, it, it's it's that, that role of a parent isn't it, you thought a parent and yeah, and sorry, yeah. go ahead no you're right, um, I don't know what, what, what was I doing I was asking you like, what was it like initially for you as a sibling then, like, the year? Because as parents, I think it would be slightly different. The milestones. Yeah, yeah the yeah. milestones, that's it. Okay. Again, again, it's um really specific, I, I guess. Like, everyone's journey, as you say. Like, the relationship that I had with my sibling, um, that that is still there regardless of you know how how they've passed but because <clears throat> because there was so much trauma involved and so much fighting uh for justice involved in the early stages like we didn't come up for air for 12 months you know we just were down in the trenches for 12 months just fighting 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 like 
um, you know, fighting to get justice for my sister so that, you know, the perpetrator was put away, then fighting for custody of my niece and making sure she was safe because, you know, her life was threatened as well. Then we're fighting for ownership of the plot so we can put a headstone on her grave and then we're fighting for... Uh, you know my niece's inheritance because it's being stolen out from under her like just constant fight and legal battle and just like you say running on fumes like I think I was like my hanky <laughs> I'd sniffed at the last <laughs> fume but like oh, just wow. it just just yeah, I, I honestly don't think I came up for air for, like, a good 12 months. Um, That's a long time. And then it was uh, about two years, I'm thinking. <clears throat> I think 18 months to two years. And then we had to redo it again because he went to trial. And it's different down in New South Wales because he, he was pleading insanity which means not like not guilty. So he, we were going to trial, and you know I was a witness, wow. and like all of this stuff. Um, you know, so you got to get yourself ready for that. You got to relive it. You got to, you know, go back. Um, um, yeah. So just <laughs> uh, we talked last time about you know learning to put the mask on. Like it, it's just like I was. So for you, the first three years is just, just surviving. Surviving. That's it. Just surviving. Else. Just getting through. Just And, you know, on top of that, you've got, you know, the tr- the absolute trauma of, you know, my niece because she was there. So it's like my needs don't matter because I have to make sure she's okay. Mm. And then, you know, my son has got his own, you know, stuff. So, you know, of course, as a parent, my needs don't matter because I've got to make sure he's okay. And then my mum is just losing the plot so my needs don't matter because I've got to make sure that I'm there for her oh that's so sad um and then five years in so I'm going to cut to five years not the three because really it just didn't stop I I was diagnosed with PTSD at that point at five years um because I in the old days, we would have called it, you know, a mental breakdown. Mm-hmm. They don't call it that anymore, but it's essentially what I had. Um, because I was just running on empty and far outside my window of tolerance for <laughs> five years. Um, and I, I, my brain just went, you know what? I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> So that's fair. Mm. But uh, that raises flags for me. So mm. where was your support? Was there any support? Like, is there anything? And I'm not just talking, like, let's take the family out because you're all traumatised. But community-wise, was there support? I think, look, I'm going to say yes because I had the most incredible network around me. Um the most incredible network around me. But I think because of the nature of what the family was kind of going through, it was very, particularly with, uh, you know, like it was a homicide case. You can't talk to anyone about what's going on because Mm -hmm. it jeopardises the case, you know. And my mum and I were like 
instrumental. Like we were part of the investigation, like the mm. the police tools. So you can't even so talk to we each can't, other. No, we can't. You can't talk to anyone. Is there a system in place now since this? Like I'd like to think people have identified this as an I issue. I wouldn't think so because it's just the nature of the beast, really. What? So you can't even get professional counselling under confidentiality or something like that where they sign that it's with the public department of prosecutions like i'm thinking about this right now like i thought i was drowning but i'm listening to you going that's drowning i'm not trying to compare things here but that's drowning and yet you can't i understand that you couldn't speak to each other because you're witnesses but surely to god there's something in our community that fixes that where's how far post your sister's death can i ask we are now uh 15 years 15 years Mm. And you don't feel like there's anything still like that in place for people because that's massive. That's, that's Look, there's places, obviously there's support places, like the Homicide Victim Support Group for us in New South Wales and obviously here in Queensland. Um, they're, they're amazing support networks. And, of course, there's people to catch you, like, you know, like the right. Compassionate Friends. Um, but the, the detail, like the stuff that keeps you awake at night, the nightmares, the my sister's body was so decomposed that we couldn't actually view her. So I had to say goodbye to a smelly body bag. Um, it messes with your head. Like you, you, you don't sleep. You don't. You, 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 I had to stop meditating. I stopped sleeping because all I could see in my mind was my version of the decomposed body, (laughs) knowing that she was shot in the head. Like, what the hell does that look? Do you know what I mean? Like, it just... You wanted to know what that looked like? I didn't want to know. I didn't want to see what my version of it looked like. Right. It, but this 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 is some of the the things of 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 the the commonalities, and I'm not look we're, we're talking about low grain commonalities here. Yes, it's very hard to compare what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's not. Uh, and, I, and I'm not trying to do that. But we, you know, we we I think it was interesting what you said about the details. We there'll be something that keeps Trish up at night. There'll be yeah. something that keeps me up at night, which I'm not going to go into and share publicly. Mm. Um, about in and around the death of 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 the of, of your loved one, mm. and that I don't know who can help you with. Ultimately, it's going to be, I imagine, it's going to be yourself that works through that, and some close friends and people you can talk to about things like that. But it's it's interesting you use the word details. I thought that was that was a good word to use. I think everyone's details are going to be slightly different, aren't they? They're going to be, you know, but the commonality is there's something keeping you awake at night, mm. and whatever that is, uh, is it, 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 it'll be what it is. And, and, and yeah, yeah, sorry. And I think that sorry to interrupt you, but I think now that now that I actually process that, that's why we don't come to you. And that's where how I'm sitting here as a parent heartbroken. Like, how can I say to my mum, this is what I... This is what I see. This, that, that's her child. Like... 
you know what? And as a parent, I want you to come to me and tell me that so I can wrap my bloody hands around you and say to you and hug you and say, shit, baby girl, I can't, I can't take that and I don't know how that looks, but let me put it to you this way. I have that same thing and somehow we'll work through that together. And that's, that's the heartbreaking part of this bloody conversation right now, how isolated you guys are in your worst moments that you don't feel like I want to say to you I want to put my arms around you actually and say to you it's alright baby girl we got you and I hope you understand that when you start seeing that picture you see her smile at you even if you see her and a horrible to say there's a big friggin hole in her head when you come down lower you see that big smile and you see her beautiful eyes and she's saying to you it's okay my girl I got, I'm good because I got you to keep that smile going because that's about all we can tell you to do yeah okay so I think that's probably a good place to leave the I podcast think so too. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's, I think we've uh, and I just want people hard. I just want to add this I want to say that my vision through this podcast, if you're out there and you're feeling like this and you need some arms, please come to one of us at TCFQ because this is what we're about. I I don't want anyone to feel that lonely. I don't want anyone to feel that lonely or isolated or drowning because we're all drowning in some way. Don't do it on your own. Pick up a bloody phone and ring us. Um, come in and see us, like whatever it takes. Zoom. We, we're there in some capacity that you don't have to do that alone. I also just want to add that I have mentioned that I'm 15 years down the track. This is not how I live my life every day. Like I am, I am able to sleep now. You know, I am able to have a really beautiful relationship with my sister now. Um, I don't want people to think that after 15 years that's where I still am. God, I'm no. not there. Um, but it did take my whatever we're going to call it. Moment. My moment five years in for me to then get the help that I needed to be able to move through that. So um, I did get that and I and I learnt how to navigate my journey a little bit easier and I was going to say if anything in this conversation has um, brought up some feelings or um, it's, it's, it's triggered anything inside you um, please obviously contact this, this professional um, helplines which we're going to put an announcement at the end of the podcast as well for you to to, to uh, with some numbers on um, please please as Trish and Tina says you know Tina says you, you, you'll get through it to a point obviously you'll find your new normal yeah mm-hmm. and, uh, and yes. as, as Trish says you know with people like the Compassionate Friends Queensland out there who will do their very very best to help you if they can and if not will certainly you know put you in the, the right direction of other, other definitely yeah. and just I know you drown. I, I, I was drowning. You were drowning. We've all drowned. But I hope by listening to us, we're a boy in that drowning, that I, I tell you now, you'll come back up. You'll come back up, I promise you. 
Okay, so we'll leave it there. Thanks, guys. Thank you. See you next time. Thank you for listening. I am Patricia Schaefer, President of the Compassionate Friends Queensland. True Grief is a podcast of honest conversations about our experience with grief through the loss of a child. We hope this podcast creates opportunities for our listeners to have their own conversations and helps you to feel less isolated in your journey. This podcast is for entertainment purposes as we are not qualified counselling professionals. We are a peer support group. If you feel the need to speak to someone after listening to our conversations, please contact our national helpline on 1300-064-068 or ring Lifeline on 131114.